I'm visiting all 30 stadiums in one season to uncover the hidden stories that make baseball America's pastime. Rounding third with Manish Jane. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Rounding Third with Manish Jane. Today's episode, the Detroit Tigers and Comerica Park. If this is your first time listening to the Rounding Third podcast, let me start off by saying welcome and thank you so much for downloading. But in the interest of full disclosure, I will have to say that I am a lifelong Detroit Tigers fan. So of the 30 stadiums, this is the ballpark that I have have visited the most and the one that I was most looking forward to visiting again on this tour. It had been several years since I caught a game at Copop, and uh, I was very happy to walk through the gates one more time. While Comerica Park is the home of my uh, personal favorite ball club, it wasn't my home when I was a kid. When I was a kid, I used to go to games at Tiger Stadium. For the first 16 years of my life, up until 1999, when sadly the Tigers decided to close up shop and move closer downtown, Tiger Stadium was, by a large margin, my absolute favorite place to catch a ball game. Now, I've I've told the story on a previous podcast, so I won't rehash it, but just the truncated version is the first time I ever remember going to Tiger Stadium, I, I just remember that moment when this game that you'd watched on television comes to life and you can just see the colors of the grass and the seat and the outfield fences and obviously at Tiger Stadium, that amazing right field overhang. And you just smell the smells of baseball, your peanuts, your stale beer, your Cracker Jacks, your hot dogs. But most importantly, in Tiger Stadium, it was the sounds. That's really what did it. It was the only place on planet Earth where it seemed like when you walked through the gates, everything outside of those walls just did not exist anymore. The acoustics of that stadium were so perfect that all you could hear were baseball sounds, whether it was vendors screaming or the sound of the bat hitting the ball or, or the ball sna- you know, snapping against the glove. You didn't hear cars honking. You didn't hear... Anybody yelling or screaming outside on the streets, it was exclusively as if you were in your own little baseball bubble. One of my earliest memories is watching Cecil Fielder hit bombs out of Tiger Stadium. And, you know, I can just remember watching the ball off the bat and for the first couple times not being able to follow it and not knowing what was going on and just being excited with, with everybody else around me. But then as I started going to more games and being able, being able to you know, follow the action a little more closely, just the first time that I was able to see the ball, leave the pitcher's hand, hit the bat, and leave the stadium all in one fluid motion and be able to follow the trajectory of that ball from beginning to end and at the same time watch the crowd slowly realize what's happening as they stand up out of their seats, the hands go in the air, they start yelling, they start screaming. It is just the most... It's like ballet. It is just artistically beautiful in that one moment. And Tiger Stadium is where it all started for me. That is my home. And it was honestly one of the saddest days in my life when the decision was made to tear it down and then (laughs) 
having to witness the slow destruction of Tiger Stadium. I had a friend of mine that lived actually at Michigan and Trumbull across the bridge, directly across from Tiger Stadium. From his window, you could just look out and there it was, this this giant, beautiful, majestic, architectural wonder. And while they were tearing it down, I, I would go over to his house and just kind of <laughs> sadly watch in the background as it was happening. And, and there was nothing I could do. There was nothing anyone else could do to stop it. It's a real shame that they couldn't preserve that stadium. And one of my biggest regrets is that while I was working in Detroit, while I owned my, my magazine there, that I didn't do more to try and bolster the image of Tiger Stadium and let, let the people know why it was so important to keep that around. You know, it was built in 1912. Just think about that for a minute. 1912. That stadium lived through the Great Depression. It lived through the Civil Rights Movement. There were men who were returning home from World War I, World War II, the Korean War, Vietnam, who when they came back to America, one of the first things they wanted to do was go catch a game at Tiger Stadium. But now it's gone, torn down, and all that remains is an empty lot. It joins its fellow fallen brothers in Crosley Field and Ebbets Field and Yankee Stadium, Shea Stadium. There, the list goes on. Sadly, there's a generation of ballparks that were absolutely beautiful in their own way that we're never going to see again. But on a happier note, now we have a newer generation of ballparks that I happen to really love. And we can now start building the history today for our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren and our great-grandchildren 100-plus years from now. So in the year 2100, when I will most certainly long be gone, my great-great-grandchildren will be able to celebrate the 100-year anniversary of Comerica Park. And they'll sit there watching Miguel Cabrera's great-great-grandson hitting bombs out of Copa. And they'll be creating memories for themselves that'll last until 2200, 2300, and the year 3000. If it truly was time to walk away from Tiger Stadium, they could not have done a better job at building a worthy replacement in Comerica Park. And where they put it, directly next to Ford Field, a couple blocks away from Joe Louis Arena, if we could just get the palace to leave Auburn Hills and make the move, Downtown Detroit would be the perfect sports paradise on planet Earth. And I don't just say that as a Detroit sports fan. I am a big proponent of putting the major sports franchises in the downtown area. This is my 25th stadium that I've gone to. And I believe that I am qualified to speak intelligently on this subject for teams like the Twins and the Diamondbacks and the Reds and the Tigers, all of their ball clubs are built downtown with bars and restaurants and just the energy of the city is surrounding that club. It is really so much fun to go to a ball game even two hours early and stay three hours late. You make an entire day of it. When you go to a game in these cities, 
you don't want to leave. It is so much fun. On the flip side, when you go to places like Dodger Stadium or the, the ballpark in Arlington for the Texas Rangers or Marlins Park or, or any number of other stadiums where they are kind of off the beaten path, where you need to drive a little bit further out to get there and where the parking is so far removed from the city itself that it is impossible to do anything but just go to the game. You just, I guess energy is the only word that I can use. It's it's intangible. There's something there that you can't, that you don't feel as connected to everything as when your ballpark is actually downtown. And so that is the one thing that I will give Comerica Park over Tiger Stadium is the location is infinitely better. For those of you whose experiences with Detroit are limited to what you hear in popular culture or on the news, I got to say you are missing out on some absolute beauty and some of the most fun and amazing bars and restaurants you've ever been to in your life. The city of Detroit on a game day comes alive. Tens of thousands of people will stream in from the suburbs, people that admittedly will not show up when there is nothing going on, but luckily that's why there's three major sports teams in that area that pulls people from the suburbs, that forces them to come and support their city. And that's what it might take. That's what it's going to take. Not might, that's what it's going to take. How do you save a city? You bring in foot traffic. Without warm bodies coming down, there's no one to spend the money. There's no one to bolster that local economy. And for now, for the time being, the Tigers, the Lions, and the Red Wings are really the main attraction for the city of Detroit. I love the city of Detroit, and it's one of my it's it's one of my main life goals, my main aspirations to one day do something to help that city regain its claim as one of the premier cities in the United States of America. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some patience. More importantly, it's going to take a lot more money than I currently have. But uh, it'll happen one day. You guys will be able to say that you heard it from me here first, that one day I will do something to help that city. But for the time being, Comerica Park has done an absolutely lovely job of keeping things afloat. Because I'm going to tell you this right now. If you're listening to this episode and you've never been to Comerica Park, of the 30 stadiums, it is it should be near the top of your list of ballparks you want to go visit. It is so much fun to watch a game at Copa that there will be people lined up outside on the streets peering through the fences to try and get a glimpse of the on-field action. Probably one of my favorite pictures I've taken so far was of three young boys standing outside of Copa standing on the ledge and pressing their faces in between the bars during batting practice, just trying to catch a glimpse of someone. They didn't care who was at bat. Just whoever it was, knock one out of the park. You can check that out at roundingthird.net. But if you've been to Copa, you know what I'm talking about. You know, there are people, especially on, on playoff days or, or on big rivalry games, people will line up. People will stand outside for hours and just look through the fence onto the field. Inside, however, is quite spectacular in and of itself. There's a lot of uniqueness to Comerica Park. It's the only ballpark that exists that has a Ferris wheel inside. 
It has a carousel. It has a lot of really fun stuff for your young ones who might not be able to sit through a three-hour game. Actually, for the first, for the first time in my life, I've seen the uh, the Ferris wheel many many times, and I have always been a little bit too old to uh, uh, to ride those, or at least you're never too old to ride a Ferris wheel. But every time I came to a ball game, my focus was always on the action on the field. But this time, since I'd gotten there a couple hours early, and I was kind of exploring, and I'm, I'm in the effort in the effort of bringing you guys the the unfiltered experience of each one of these stadiums. I did pay my $2 and I rode the Ferris wheel and it was pretty cool. I mean, I look, it was, it's, I I feel like if I was a little bit younger, I'd be a little more excited or if I was with a group of friends, that might be a little more fun, but, uh, sitting in, in the baseball pod of the Ferris wheel by myself as a grown man was a little bit weird. (laughs) Um, you can get a cool view of Ford Field outside of the park, which is nice when you hit the the apex of the Ferris wheel. But yeah, I'm not sure I'd recommend doing it if you're a grown person by yourself. That's just a bit creepy. I made the decision to simply take a photograph of the carousel as opposed to hopping on there myself because I didn't want to really freak out the parents. But in addition to this really cool area for the kids, throughout the ballpark, the Tigers have their history on display in a way that I have not seen in any other ballpark. There are some truly amazing halls of fame out there in Atlanta and Tampa, Kansas City, Cincinnati. They've done a really good job of building a monument to their legacy and their history within the walls of their ballpark. The difference between all of their Halls of Fame and the Tigers is that in order to visit their museums, you either have to buy a ticket, like in the case of Atlanta, or you have to stand in line, like I did in Kansas City, and you are taken through the exhibits as if it was a normal museum. They exist as their own separate entity. Unless you get to the ballpark a couple hours early, like I've been doing, If you want to go check out the museum during the game, you have to leave the concourse and go into another room, in essence deciding to cut yourself off from the game in order to enjoy some of the history of your favorite team. Kansas City is one of the exceptions. They do have a section of their Hall of Fame where you can look through a mesh uh, window and still catch a glimpse of the outfield. But for the most part, if you're going to go to the Hall of Fame and most of these stadiums, you're going to miss a little bit of the action on the field. Comerica Park found a way to remedy this. Throughout the concourse, there are pillars that have been constructed that represent each decade of the Tigers' existence. The designs of these pillars are really quite something. They offer glimpses into the Tigers' past in the same way that any other Hall of Fame museum would, but the difference is you don't get to miss any of the action on the field if you want to check out some of the memorabilia. As you walk to go buy a hot dog or go to the restroom, you can stop for a moment and take a glimpse and read some some interesting facts and figures about the Tigers. But you can always keep one eye on the field as well, as the sight lines at Comerica Park are absolutely fantastic. Similarly, as you make your way around the concourse, You're treated to statues honoring the greatest Tigers in history, including Ty Cobb and Hank Greenberg, Al Kaline, just to name a few. 
While having statues is not necessarily anything new or special to Kopop, once again, it is their placement in the concourse that makes it so unique. Most stadiums will have their statues being featured outside of the gates, or if they are inside of the walls, they'll be deep into the concourse where in order to see them or take a picture with them or really do whatever you want to do, you have to leave the action on the field. But luckily, the architects who designed Copa installed these statues directly on the outfield line. And so as you're standing there, you can get full view of the entire field. I wasn't lying when I said there's not a bad view in this entire stadium. The only place where I was cut off from action on the field is where the Ferris wheel and the uh, carousel is, which is also where the food court is, where I bought my 313 burger. But other than that, the designers did a really spectacular job of making sure that whether you're sitting in your seats or taking a stroll around the concourse, you will never miss an at-bat as long as you want to keep one eye on the field. Now it is time, because I am just horrible at transitions, to introduce you to a couple of young men that I sat next to during my game at Copa. It was a a lot of fun to talk to them for a couple of innings, and um, it's always fun for me to watch young kids really getting crazy excited about the play on the field. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're sad, if you're depressed, if you're angry, if you're frustrated, or any other negative emotion that might be running through your veins. There is nothing that will brighten my day more or brighten your day more than sitting next to a group of kids that is just losing their minds at a baseball game. It is so much fun to see their unbridled excitement. There is no shame in their voices. There is no embarrassment or humiliation. They are just losing their minds, and it is, it is awesome. And I talked to these kids after the game. I interviewed them for a couple of minutes for the podcast, and <laughs> their, their excitement was, was contagious. I felt myself talking faster and getting more excited when I was talking to them. It was just really, it was really fun. So this is a short three, four-minute interview that I want to play for you, and uh, I'll see you on the other side. Enjoy. All right, so I am now sitting here at Comerica Park after Tigers' victory, and I'm with Logan Ross and Christian Wooler. All right, Logan and Christian. So we were sitting next to each other during the game, and you guys were getting into it pretty hard. How long have you guys been Tigers fans for? All my life. All our lives. What does that mean? How old are you? I'm 12 years old. Um, I'm 10. 10 and 12. Almost 11? When are you going to be 11? Um, September. All right, so you're pretty much 11. So we got 12 and 11 years old. You guys have been Tigers fans your entire life. That is very cool. Can you guys remember the first time you ever came to Comerica Park? Um, no, I can't. How about you? Um, I remember I was one, but that's all I remember. All right, fair enough. Well, then what's your earliest memory of coming out to the park? You're just What's the first thing you remember about coming to Comerica Park? And it doesn't have to be the earliest one, just you know, the, the first time that you remember being here. Um, probably one of the earliest times I remember I was here and it was pouring rain and we stayed in the rain to watch the fireworks. Very cool. How about you? Um, I was with my cousins and it was actually also pouring rain, like really bad lightning. They were about to cancel the game and it was in the ninth, I mean, tenth inning actually. And, um, it's a one point game. There's 
and the Tigers came back and hit a home run and won the game. Oh my goodness, that is incredible. That is a very exciting way to see a, a game here. So, do you guys play baseball or is this something you just like to watch on TV? I played baseball for one year and I wasn't great at it. I'm a hockey player. Alright, fair enough. How about you? Uh, I just like to watch it. It's really fun. Uh, who's your pl favorite players on the team? Um, Austin Jackson. Oh, alright. Oh, Ajax. How about you? Mark Tiasso Sopo. Look at you guys not picking the uh, standard answers. I like to hear that. So you guys go deep. You guys like to see some of more of the bench guys getting in some of the work. So about how many games do you guys get to a year out here? Um, maybe three or four. Yeah. I live pretty close, so probably a good ten of them. Wow, that's pretty exciting. And do you normally get to get, these are pretty good seats we're sitting in. Do you normally get to sit this close, or where normally do you sit in the ballpark? Um, I can sit anywhere. It doesn't matter. I love the games. Yeah, same thing. Those seats up there are great. These seats down here are fine. I like to hear that. It doesn't matter. As long as you're in the park, you're having a good time. All right, so then we're going to wrap it up with this. So uh, two quick questions. Number one is just your favorite memory, you know, the thing that really stands out to you of any time when you came to the ballpark, just one of your most fun times that you were here, and then what maybe one day you want to see here, you know, that you haven't seen yet, kind of the most, what are you anticipating seeing? Because you're still young. you got a lot of games to go through in your life. What do you really want to see? Um, I really want to see a good, like, 12th inning game. That would be really cool. I haven't seen any of those yet. Okay, so no, you know, some extra inning games. And then what is just, if you can just, you know, one of the, the best times you've ever had at the ballpark. I don't know. You don't know? A ton of them. Yeah. Uh, every time is great, so. You know what? That's actually a good answer. I like hearing that. Every time is unique. Every time is great. There is no one time. And how about you? Probably my f most favorite memory was the first time actually eating a ballpark hot dog <laughs> since they were amazing. And I really, really badly um, want to just, like, go on the field since one time I was going to run the bases and... There was um, about a four-and-a-half-hour line, and then the other time it got canceled from the raining day. That is an absolute shame. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure that these guys here uh, at Comerica do a Tigers tour. Have you ever done the tour? No. So on the tour, I believe that you can actually go in the dugouts, and you can go in the clubhouses, and you can you go on the field. You can't really run the bases, but you can at least check out a lot more of the field. So maybe you can uh, convince your parents to let you take you on one of them Tiger tours. So uh, the last question now basically is, just tell me what it is about baseball that you guys love. Why is it baseball that you really, you know, you don't really play, but you like to watch it. What is it about the game? Um, I like that you can sit back and relax the whole day and um, have fun during the exciting parts, but you can just relax and have a good time with friends. Um, I like that it's kind of a, a longer sport, so you can, like, come here for half the game and then just leave, like, the second half of the game or... You can go in upstairs and there's so many things to do and you can walk around and it's just everyone's so nice and happy here. <laughs> all right, well, thank you so much for joining me today, guys. I really appreciate it, all right? It was nice to meet you both. Nice to meet you, too. And we're back. I want to thank Logan and Christian and their parents for allowing them to join me on the podcast for a couple of minutes. That right there was the future of our sport. I've noticed in stadiums across this country that the demographics of our fan base is starting to age up a little bit. <laughs> there is quite a few older generations that are enjoying the ball game, especially down in the lower bowl. I hardly get to see a lot of really young people enjoying the sport. You know, I talk about people going to check out games at Comerica Park in 2100 and 2200 and the year 3000. 
That's not going to happen unless we get more kids like Logan and Christian to come out to the ballpark. Now, luckily, they've got some awesome parents that take them out to games a couple times a year, uh, 10 times a year. The only way that you can make a new baseball fan is to bring them out to the ballpark. I've tried many, many times to show, to show friends of mine who aren't necessarily fans of the sport to show them the game on TV. And inevitably, within 15, 20 minutes, they are checking their phone or on the internet or just bored out of their skull. But I've also taken people to their first games live, as you heard in my Chicago White Sox episode with my brother-in-law. And that was a gentleman who had never seen one at-bat of a game in his entire life, whether it was on television or live. And in that one moment, it just completely blew him away. Now, he unfortunately is a little bit older, and so it's going to be harder for him to insert a new hobby into his life. But for these kids, they're still learning. They're still finding out what it is about life that they want to know more about, that they want to engage with more. And these two young baseball fans, I'm fairly confident, are going to be a part of this sport for the next 60 years, 80 years, 100 years. They are who give me hope that this sport that I love will survive long after I'm gone. It doesn't even need to be said, but obviously I had just the absolute time of my life at Comerica Park. It has been five years, five years, wow, <laughs> five years since I caught a game live at Comerica Park, and it all came rushing back. As soon as I walked through those gates, all those memories, the smells, the sounds, everything just came rushing back, and I know it's not going to be another five years before I head back to a game at Copac. In fact, just being there <laughs> made me want to move back to Detroit. And that is something that I'm going to strongly consider when this is all said and done. But for now, I've got four more stadiums. We're entering the home stretch of this tour. You know, I just realized, I think earlier I may have said this was my 25th stadium. I think it's actually my 26th. Uh, I'm not even sure anymore. Everything is so jumbled in my brain head on over to roundingthird.net and you can fact check me there. Uh, while you're there, you can check out photos and write-ups of all the stadiums that I've been to thus far, plus what I've been doing in my off days and travel days. Please follow me on Twitter. I'm at roundingthirdmj. If you have any questions for me, shoot me an email at roundingthirdpodcast at gmail.com. I've gotten some really fun baseball stories from a lot of you and I absolutely love hearing from every single one of you so please rounding third podcast at gmail.com keep those coming Blake White as always you are incredible thank you so much for my intro and my outro music I've never asked any of you guys for money and this is something that I get zero money from this so please just go to iTunes and spend a couple of bucks on Blake White, More Like Myself. It is such a tremendous album, and it is one that I have listened to over and over again in the car as I've been driving from city to city. He is so crazy talented, and the intro and the outro music are just beautiful. I love him. Thank you so much, Blake. You are amazing. Icarus Ronan, there's not much more that needs to be said about you. You are incredible yourself thank you so much for the help with the website and just everything else that you've helped me out with for this tour krishna jane you take my mediocre pictures and make them look absolutely beautiful so thank you so much for the photo editing 
I want to thank each and every one of you for listening, and I hope you'll join me next time as I continue to round third, heading for home. Rounding third with Manish Jane.